Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, grace, grace, it's a very important word in the church of Jesus Christ. Churches all over the world have named themselves Grace Reformed Church. We summarize the gospel message by referring to it as the doctrines of grace. We name our children grace or charis if we want to be cute about it and use a Greek word. Grace is an important word because after we have learned what God did to save us, the word grace explains why God did these wonderful things for sinners when they trembling fled away from him. And the first part of the why question is why Adam and Eve? If you look at Genesis 3, why did God save Joshua? If you look at Zechariah 3, or why did God justify the tax collector? If you look at Luke 18, and not the sinners that were around them at that time. Why them? If you look at yourself, why me? Were they so righteous that they were able to earn this special favor? Lord's Day 24 asks, was it because of their faith? And the answer to this question, this first part of the why question, will help us understand why we were saved by God while other sinners that we know were not. The second part of the why question is for what purpose? Why did God send his son to die for a sheep? For what purpose did God send his son? You see, once we know that we are saved in Christ, the question is, have we now arrived at our destination so that there is nothing more for us to do? As the Catechism asks in Lord's Day 24, does this teaching not make people careless and wicked? And as we look at these passages, we will see that grace is love that is not based on what we have done in the past. It's not earned reward. And secondly, that it is grace, that it is love that is shown to us in order that we might glorify God in the future. And I preached to you the gospel of Jesus Christ under this theme. God clothes us with Christ's righteousness by grace and to his glory. First we see why did God give Adam and Eve clothes. Last week we learned what God did when Adam and Eve trembling fled away from him when they were naked and ashamed. We saw but God clothed them. Genesis 3, verse 21. He clothed them with divinely approved clothing that pointed them to Christ's righteousness. Now we look back to that same passage. We ask, why did God clothe them? Adam and Eve may have been asking the same question. They had been living in the abundance of paradise with everything they could possibly want in the fullness of God's grace. But even though they had it all in their pride, 
they still coveted the idol of independence. And they ate from the tree that God commanded them not to eat from. They had it all, and yet they willfully subjected themselves to sin and consequently to death and to the curse. They ate the only fruit in that whole garden that could possibly bring death, according to God's word in Genesis 2, verse 17. And then they they fled from God, and they blamed each other. Because of that sin, all mankind is inclined to evil, says the Scriptures in many different places. I can list a few. John 3, verse 27, and Romans 8, verse 7. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 14. You can see just some of the passages that show the consequences of Adam and Eve's decision to take the fruit that God told them not to. And so in this context, the question comes, well, why? Why did God come looking for them after they had just deliberately sinned against him, deliberately lifted their fist up and said, we don't want you, we want to be with the devil, we want to fight against you. So why did God reach down to clothe them? Why would God treat them as if they had been righteous like Christ was, who when he was tempted in the the harsh conditions of the desert, when he resisted the devil who tried to tempt him? Why did God treat Adam and Eve like he treated Jesus? Well, we look at the text, it's Genesis 3, and we go up and down, and we go side to side, and we, 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 we scour the text to find some reason or some basis for God's mercy in what they had done. Was it because Adam and Eve asked for mercy? They asked so nicely? Did they convince the Lord to show them mercy? Well, you have that text in front of you, too. You can see it. The text tells us that Adam and Eve didn't even want grace and mercy from God. They were afraid of his holiness and his justice, which demanded perfect agreement with with all the law of the Lord. But even if they had asked, they knew that they could not count on God to say one thing and then do another Even if they had asked, they would have asked God to to be untruthful. Besides, would they even want an eternity where sin and rebellion against the eternal God was permitted? And so we look at Genesis 3 and we can see that Adam and Eve did nothing to deserve the kindness that God showed to them. God was not reacting to anything that they had done. He was not rewarding them for any behavior, either good or bad. Now you might be thinking, well, that's a pretty good answer. But all we really have done right now is shown that good works and the faith of man are not the reasons. And if we go in this direction of finding what it wasn't, We can add many more things that don't explain why God showed grace to Adam and Eve. Just as the scriptures show clearly that it wasn't because of any good thing they had done 
or because they were looking to be saved. Scripture also makes clear that it wasn't because of their riches. It wasn't because of their good looks. It wasn't because of the color of their skin. It wasn't even because of strawberry ice cream. We know what it wasn't, but do we know what it was? Why did God give Adam and Eve new clothes? The only answer we can find, repeated many times in many different places in Scripture, is that wonderful word, grace. That's why we read Ephesians 2. That wonderful word, grace. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says that it is by grace we have been saved. Not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. Philippians chapter 1 Verse 29 tells us that God granted us faith. Even the desire to believe is a gift. 1 John 4 verse 19 explains it even clearer, saying we love because he first loved us. Like a parent who loves his adopted child unconditionally, like a parent who loves a child that, that God has given him or her. So the Father in heaven loves us because of his good pleasure and his perfect will. Scripture tells us that we who believe have faith because God gave it to us. And he gave it to us because he is good. Because he is worthy of praise because he wanted to. Isn't that a wonderful thing for us to hear? It means we never need to hide things from him. He knew very well that we were sinners. He even knows what we have done. You think you have a long list. His list can be longer. He knows everything, every thought. He knows that all when he chose us and when he covered our sins, when he clothed us with the righteousness of Christ. His decision came from his love, says the scriptures. Not because you convinced him that you deserve this grace. That's a liberating thing to have in your mind. It's also a wonderful thing to share with people around you. Even if you have a, a horrible past that you're very ashamed of, you can look to a God who doesn't give us what we earned, but who rewards us out of grace, who gives us what we do not deserve, his love. You do not need to first be a good person before you come to church. But you can come to him as you are, as he knows you to be, and he will love you based on his goodness, his grace, his perfect plan. The second part of the why question is to what purpose did God show his grace and mercy to Adam and Eve? Why? Right from the beginning, it is clear that God has a restorative purpose. That means he wants to set things back on track. 
He wants the original plan to be man maintained. And so the, the first thing that he does is to tell Adam and Eve that they still have a mandate. He still talks about having children. He still talks about work. He still talks about worship. He wants them to return to what he made them to do, even though it will be more difficult. You can read about that in Genesis 3, verses 16 to 19. And then we see that God shows them that they continue to have a place in his plan. And he does that by giving them animal skins to replace the flimsy fig leaves that they had on. Animal skins last longer. Animal skins allow a person to discover different and, and colder climates. Animal skins as clothing give hope because they stood as a constant reminder of both their own shame and also God's covering grace. God clothed Adam and Eve because he wanted them. He wanted to see his creatures doing well. He wanted his children to be delighting in the world that he had made for them with his own hands. He wanted his children to be, do, to be producing fruits of thankfulness as they developed creation to bring it from a garden to a golden city. God's adopting love and his undeserved favor toward sinners always has a purpose. So looking at Adam and Eve, we learn that there is nothing that we can do to earn salvation from God. We can't make a list of things that they did that we can now imitate that will obligate God to show mercy to us. God acts first. God shows his grace in spite of us. And he does so in order that we might glorify him according to his plan. What God first revealed to Adam and Eve in paradise, he repeated to his church after the exile in the days of Zechariah the prophet when Joshua was high priest, as you can read about that, in Zechariah chapter 3. Last week we learned what God did when Joshua was standing before him. You remember that? The devil was beside him accusing him of all the sins that he had committed, his dirtiness, and, and Joshua was there. His priestly garments were filthy. The iniquity and the guilt that he, he had committed, they were obvious to all. And then we read, but God commanded that the filthy clothes be removed and that Joshua receive new clothes. In this way, God points his people to what Jesus Christ has done, how there is forgiveness of sins in Christ, how he clothes us with the righteousness of Christ. It's pretty amazing to see what God did. But now we ask, this week we ask, but why did God do this? And Zechariah brings us to the same two conclusions that we reached in Genesis 3. God gave Joshua this reward as a gift of grace. So that although Joshua could never boast in his own works, he yet was called to bring the world or be used as an instrument of God to bring the glory of creation and paradise back to his people. Why did, Josh, did God give Joshua clean clothes? 
Why did he do that? It was because that the filthy clothes and the iniquity made him liable to punishment. God did not want to do this to Joshua. God was not pleased to see Joshua like a burning stick in the fire being devoured by his own wickedness. As long as Joshua was a stick burning in the fire, he couldn't be the high priest and mediator between God and his people. Why didn't God want to give Joshua what he deserved for his sins? It was clear that Joshua couldn't look back and point to anything in his own life that explained God's grace to him. The only one pointing was Satan. And he was pointing at all that Joshua had done wrong. Why did God snatch Joshua from the fire and not the other sticks that were burning there? Why was it Joshua? And the only answer, again, that we can find, and as we scour through the Scriptures and we try to find the answer to that, the only answer is grace. Ephesians 2, verse 8, It is by grace you have been saved as a gift of God. It was God's good pleasure and will to clothe Joshua with Christ's righteousness. His reward is not earned. It is a gift of grace. So why did God show this grace to Joshua? You can look in Zechariah chapter 3. As you look in Zechariah chapter 3, I'll give you the page number here in a second, page 794. If you look there, you, you'll see there's an explanation. The angel of the, the, the Lord of hosts explained why the Lord snatched Joshua out of the fire to what purpose? And you can see that in Zechariah chapter 3, verse 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts. And I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. And then in verse 10, in that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. So what purpose did the Lord have to put these clean clothes on Zechariah? It was because Zechariah was to be an instrument in God's hand to bring peace to the world as a mediator, as a high priest. As the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 2, verse 13, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And then we see, brothers and sisters, when we talk about grace, undeserved favor, why does God show his mercy to us? It always has a purpose. Grace does not lead to idleness. No one is, who is saved by God will conclude that he has now arrived. I'm saved. I can be careless and wicked now. Because with the justification being declared right, there is always sanctification. The Holy Spirit leads us in a life responding of fruits of thankfulness. The Lord Jesus taught that so clearly in Luke chapter 6. We hear the word and then we do what the word. Grace leads us to action. When we are given new hearts, 
Those aren't dead hearts that we're receiving. They're, they're alive. They're alive. They're, they're, they're functioning, working hearts that desire to live again to the glory of God. Joshua was clothed by Christ's righteousness out of mere grace in order that he might glorify God. So I think we're ready to take a look at our own situation. Ask ourselves, why did God graft me into Christ? Why am I a Christian? Now we're thinking of Luke 18, that parable that we looked at last time, last week about the Pharisee and the tax collector. We saw when we looked at that parable that the Lord Jesus, it's Luke 18 uh, verse 9, we saw that Jesus was addressing those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and then treated others with contempt. And the Lord Jesus taught that the righteousness of the Pharisee was not enough to satisfy God's justice. We need to think about that very carefully because the Pharisee did very, very many good things in accordance with the law of God. That Pharisee entered the temple. That Pharisee was a just man. He didn't cheat. He didn't fraud others. He did not commit adultery. He fasted twice a week. He gave tithes of all that he had. He was a generous donor to the church. He did all that. The Lord Jesus tells us his own righteous behavior, and in the eyes of men, it was very righteous. Well, that righteous behavior could not stand before the justice of God. Jesus explains that in this case, it was because of his heart. It was because he was proud. It was because he treated others with contempt. And the warning for us is very clear, as we also confess, if you think you can earn your way into heaven by doing enough good things. Well, we also need to take note of this warning. It reminds us that our righteousness is like fig leaves and dirty priestly clothing. A little bit of imperfection is like a little bit of poison in your drink or a little bit of yeast in the dough. It, it, it disqualifies you. It permeates everything. And it makes you imperfect before the, the Lord who is holy. We confess that God wants us to be absolutely perfect. And we confess also, it's in answer 62 of the Heidelberg Catechism, that even our best works in this life are all imperfect and defiled with sin. And we say that, and we memorize that already as children, so that we don't ever trust in ourselves for our salvation, like that Pharisee in Jesus' parable. The Pharisee did not go home justified. God doesn't declare us to be righteous because we are or ever could be righteous in ourselves. He declares us righteous because he has grafted us into Christ, who is righteous. He grafts us into Christ out of mere grace. That's why. This grace is freely given to us. It's clear that the reward that God promises to the tax collector 
The reward that God promises to all those who plead on God's mercy is not earned. It is a gift of grace. Even the tax collector's decision to turn to God, we read in Acts 13, verse 48, that was, was, a, was a decision, sorry, was a result of God's appointment. We know our natures. We know that by nature we fight against him and we flee away from him. Like Paul says in Ephesians 2 verse 1, we are dead in our transgressions and sins. But God calls those whom he has predestined, justifies those whom he has called, glorifies those whom he has justified. Romans 8 verse 30. And then you can put your own name there. It's the gospel we believe, the gospel we hold to. And then you ask, well, why? Why did God predestine and call and justify me? Why did he predestine you? Why did God graft you into Christ? Well, the only answer we can find in the scriptures in which God is revealing himself is that he did this out of mere grace and only for the sake of Christ's merits. And, and what's the text that tells us that? You've seen it twice already. You, you know it came to your mind. Ephesians 2 verse 8. And if that's not enough, let's look at another text. In Titus. Titus chapter 3 verses 4 to 6. like to read along, you can find that on page 998. Here the Holy Spirit says, reading Titus chapter 3 verse 4, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration, and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Why did God graft you into Jesus Christ? By giving you faith, his son Jesus, uh, to cling to him as your, his only, as your only Savior, was not because of anything you had done, but because he wants you to experience life. He loves you as his children. And then at the end of that verse, chapter, verse 7, Titus 3, verse 7, it also ends with the purpose clause, the so that, the other part of the why question. So that, being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. You, my dear brother, my dear sister, you were chosen by God, clothed with righteousness, with the righteousness of Christ in order that you might do good works. Not to sit back in carelessness. 
been clothed for a purpose. We can think also of the picture, the illustration of Ephesians chapter 6. That imagery where the clothing by grace is, is connected to the soul, that of purpose, clothed with the sword of the Spirit, clothed to, to fight in the kingdom of God. And as we walk out of here, we, we think, well, why do I belong to Jesus Christ? Why am I grafted into him? And the answer is not so that I can feel proud and so that I can show contempt to others like that Pharisee did. God grafted me into Jesus Christ in spite of my sins, in spite of my weakness. It was only by grace. And when he does that, it's like giving a naked person clothes work boots, and proper tools. It's like training and arming a young man so he can be a soldier. God has a purpose for those whom he has clothed and called. We confess it's impossible to be clothed with Christ's righteousness and not bring forth fruits of thankfulness. We could state the same thing in a positive way. Why did God clothe you with Christ's righteousness and give you the Holy Spirit? You can ask yourself that question. You can ask your children that question. You ask one another that question in your Bible studies. Why did God make me the way I am and give me this righteousness and set me back on the path that leads to eternal life? You have received a new heart, a living heart, so that you might faithfully fulfill your mandate to work, to have relationships, to worship for His glory as you eagerly seek the restoration of all things in Jesus Christ. And since God has called you to this in Jesus Christ, we know that He will fulfill His purpose in you and through you. We sang that. In Psalm 138, stanza 4, and we'll sing that again in Psalm 57. In scriptures, it's 57 verse 2. You have been saved by grace and to his glory. May God use your fruits of thankfulness for his glory. Amen.